So let's just pray before we hear God's word. Father God, thank you for your word. May these words written in the past shape and mould us today for your glory. Amen. In the following directives, I have no praise for you. For your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then, when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many of you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if you were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you shall all eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home, so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give further directions. So why do we do this? Well, in short, because of the difference between a sacrament and an ordinance, we won't worry about that today. Uh, it's a debate about whether it's something that God does for us or we do in response to God. I think it's both. But in, in Baptist tradition, we would consider there are two things under these headings. One is the Lord's Supper. Any guesses what the other one might be? <laughs> Baptism. Excellent. So these two things are similar in that they're both things that Jesus told us to do. And they're both things where we meet with God in a special way, where we can meet and receive his grace. They're not things that make turn you into a Christian. They're part of your expression of relationship with God. Now, the Lord's Supper was given by Jesus at what was probably 
a Passover meal. So we can look back into the Old Testament and the history of the Passover and have an understanding of what Jesus meant when he said, do this. Because the Israelites see Passover as very much participating in the Passover, in, in the Exodus. So they would remember, have the meal uh, to remember the Exodus from Egypt. But in a sense, they saw it as participation. And we see this as participation in the body and blood of Christ. Not that they are literally his body and his blood or turn into them, that's something completely different. But they are, it is about participating in the life and death of Jesus. It's an embodied act. We engage our bodies and not just our voices as a statement of belief. And we focus on the cross of Jesus. It's an opportunity to experience more deeply for ourselves the grace of sins forgiven. We express our thankfulness and we receive grace for our ongoing walk in devotion and discipleship. And we look forward to Christ's return. We've already sung about that in some of our hymns. There is, however, one very significant difference between baptism and the Lord's Supper. Baptism you do once. You can't be baptised more than once. The Lord's Supper, do this as often as you drink it. It's part of an ongoing part of our relationship. And we do this to set out our beliefs. It, it's, that, it's that grace that keeps us going. And uh, we rehearse what we believe about God in this act. Now, I know if those of you from Anglican back, backgrounds would be able to recite the creed for us at this point, which is a statement of belief. And, uh, uh, you know, I believe in the mighty God, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, etc., etc., but at Baptists, as Baptists, we like to sing. And I know the Anglicans like to sing, but we're going to sing the creed now, just as that statement of belief that before we take communion, we go, this is what I believe. This is what I believe about God and about Jesus. This is what I believe and I'm rejoicing in as I take this meal. So we're going to sing, stand if you're able, our Father everlasting. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Let's stand and sing. Our understanding of who God is, who his son is, and where we stand before him. So we know when we have placed our trust and our hope and our faith in Jesus, we can approach this table confidently knowing that we don't come because of our own greatness, our own goodness, our own righteousness. We come because the blood of Jesus sanctifies and redeems us. But it was also the mechanics of how we come that Paul was so upset with the church in It was because of how we come that Paul was so upset with the church in Corinth. He said in verse 17, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. What a searing indictment on their meetings that comment is. Now, to understand a little bit about what Paul was getting at, 
we need to understand a little bit about the Corinthian context and how they were sharing in the Lord's Supper. Now, they would be meeting in somebody's home, and it would often be in the home of one of the wealthier members of the church. And in a first century house in Corinth, you would typically have a, a relatively small dining room. It was called, and I'm, I have been practicing, the triclinium dining room to you and me. And it was a, a room that would hold about 12 to 15 people reclining, and they would have quite a lovely feast in there. And then there was the atrium, which was a, an outer reception outside the triclinium, and that would hold between 30 to 50 people uh, sat down, not reclining, uh, in an outer area. But what, was ha what would typically happen in a home in Corinth is that those that were the guests that the host wanted to impress, or that the host thought was more important, would be invited into that inner dining room, the feast would be more sumptuous and richer, and then those who were in the outer atrium, the idea was to show that they weren't quite as important. It was almost, it was deliberately to humiliate those who were poor. And Paul was absolutely horrified that church members were perpetuating that division when they gathered for the Lord's Supper. You know, those in the outer room would be typically just get the leftovers from the sumptuous, rich feast. Because this is not a place for division, for hierarchy. The Corinthian church was replicating a social construct that Paul described as despising the church of God. And it's in this context of this division that we read those verses in, uh, of 27 to 29. I'll read them again. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. Now, I'll be honest, I grew up in Baptist chapels, uh, right from when I was a student's age, I was taken to a Baptist chapel. And as I began to understand and kind of grow up in the Christian faith, I was petrified of these verses, because maybe it was the way it was presented or my immature understanding. But I took this to mean, if you drink communion unworthily, i.e. if you were not good enough, then you were doomed for judgment for all eternity. <coughs> Thankfully, that is not a true reading of the text. We should note it says in an unworthy manner, not just unworthily, which is a, a, a word and a translation that kind of puts the emphasis a little bit back on, on who we are rather than how we approach God's table. The way we approach is, of course, important, and that is why Paul is giving this warning. But this is a place where we meet the grace of God. So Paul was condemning the Corinthians for replicating that social construct of hierarchy and humiliation for the poor. He says several times together, he uses the word together, when you meet together, when you should eat together. 
And the problem was, they were anything but together. So the judgment he is talking about is not talking about judgment of our eternal salvation. It's a bit more to do with discipline. A bit like when a child misbehaves, they might be punished, but they're not thrown out of the family. And he was talking about that type of discipline. The key thing here, I think, is he says, when we share in the Lord's Supper, it is when we do it without discerning the body of Christ. And that is what constitutes an unworthy manner. And what does it mean to discern the body of Christ? It's about discerning the gospel. That the body of Christ is given for all who, are, who believe. It's about discerning that we are all equal as followers of Jesus. As Christians, we all form part of the body of believers. If we come thinking that we are superior, a superior Christian to others, or we deny others an equal opportunity to come, that is the division and that is the unworthy manner that Paul is condemning. In Corinth, they were replicating a social construct. What would be the equivalent today? Where are we divided as a body of believers here in Wilton Baptist Church? Or perhaps where are we divided with brothers and Christians in other churches? These are deep and meaningful questions that Paul calls us to examine. And often in other churches, we do, and we will do it here, there is a time where we share the peace. And usually that is done at a communion service. But in the context of what we have read about the church in Corinth, and about what Paul is teaching and correcting, we should see it not just as an excuse to say hello to people we haven't yet spoken to this morning, or a chance to welcome visitors that we might not know. It is an opportunity a deeper symbol of what it means to discern the body of Christ. When we share the peace and we say to each other, the peace of God be with you. It is about saying that we want the peace of God to reign in our relationships with each other. And as we read at the church in Corinth, we know that there is no place for one-upmanship and hierarchy in the peace of God. There is no place for rebellious and unrepentant heart in the peace of God. When we share peace, we are saying, where there is division, I want to move forward in peace. It might be saying, I am at fault and I seek your forgiveness. It's about reconciliation with each other and with the church. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. 
saying peace be with you is symbolic of that act of reconciliation. So before we share the peace, let's ask ourselves those questions. our intentions are much higher, much more pure than our actions and our thoughts. And as we share peace with each other, greet one another in your name. Lord, forgive us when our actions have not matched our intentions. Now, if you don't want, I know, you know, coronavirus is something that's challenged us all in the last two years. So if you don't want to shake somebody's hand, we learn our men. Was it, was it our, our men? So if you want to do the sh share the peace with sign language, everybody do it together. Peace. So we do this because Jesus told us to do it. We do this because it is good for us. It builds us up. We remind ourselves of what we believe and we experience God's grace. And later when we go from here, we go knowing that we are reconciled with each other, reconciled to God, that we have been nurtured, we have been fed to strengthen us for our ongoing journey in a hostile and broken world that desperately needs to see the church of God expressing the love that he has shown to each one of us. Paul was horrified about division in the church in Corinth. And Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, prayed for unity. Earlier in his letter, to the Corinthian church, Paul writes in chapter 10, Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks our participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf. We who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. Yes, the bread and wine are symbols, but they are important symbols. We recognise the body and blood of Christ and our need for his salvation. And we recognise that it is one body, one saviour, one loaf. So as we gather around this table, we have some strong men We recognise our togetherness and our oneness in the body of Christ. We state, the Lord is here. It is to him we come and before him we bow in awe and adoration. 
it is right that we call to mind the meaning of this supper. It is a remembrance of the sacrifice of Christ for the sin of the world. It is an encounter with the risen Lord, a feeding on him in faith, a communion with one another in his body, and a looking forward to the day when he will come again. Therefore, we need to come in faith, conscious of our weakness, seeking to renounce our sin, <coughs> humbly putting our trust in Christ and seeking his grace. We invite all who are seeking him and who, all who are weary of their sin and doubt to come and share in this feast. If you do not wish to or feel able to take a full part, please do say it, stay with us and feel free to pass the bread and the wine along. Thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this. Meet together. Break the bread. Remember me. Remember me at the feeding of the 5,000. You do not have to perish or go hungry in the wilderness. Come to me and I will refresh you. I will renew you. I will restore you. Come to me. I am the bread of life the bread that comes down from heaven. Remember me, remember me. I am known in the breaking, in the breaking of the day and in the breaking of the bread. Remember me. And as we share in the bread, for those who need to know, and because today is about learning that we are together and there is no place for division, we will all have gluten-free bread so that we are all eating from one <coughs> loaf. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup and gave thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shared for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Forgive as I have forgiven you. Forgive others. I accept you as you are. Learn to accept others as they are. Love ever gives, forgives, outlives and ever stands with open hands. And while it lives, it gives. For this is love's prerogative to give and give and give. Do this in remembrance of me.
and as usual we will retain the cup and drink together as a further sign of our unity in Christ. We drink together as a further sign of our unity in Christ. Amen. Loving God, accept through Jesus, our great High Priest, this our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we have eaten and drunk of these holy gifts in the presence of your divine majesty, Renew us by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. We receive grace and respond with repentance. We confess our sins and experience forgiveness. We are fed and nurtured in renewal and recommitment through the ongoing worship of our lives to the glory of God Amen. And we will close with our final hymn, which talks of the power of the cross. It's another reminder of the truth of our salvation through Jesus, that he bore the wrath, and we stand forgiven at the foot of Jesus' cross. Let's sing, Oh to See the Dawn.